Jesus said, I am the gate. Whoever enters by me will be saved and will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Please pray with me. Dear Father in heaven, we ask you to join us here this morning wherever we are gathered together in your name. And we trust that you are here with us. May my words be your words, and all of our thoughts your thoughts. We ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. One of the dangers that you can run into with lectionary preaching, that is, preaching from the the schedule of short assigned readings each week, is that it can be easy to forget that the little snippets we have assigned for us are just small parts of a much larger whole. You don't really forget. I mean, I don't think anybody here thinks that the little part of John 10 that we read this morning is all of what John wrote. But I do find that I get sometimes so wrapped up in some specific thing that catches my attention about a particular section that I'm looking at that I forget some other thing that affects what I'm saying. And uh, the all-time personal classic example of this is one Christmas sermon that I gave a couple years ago, a Christmas season sermon. And in my zeal to talk about the wonderful gift that Jesus is to us, I said that Christmas, for us, is not actually about giving gifts, but about receiving a gift. And if I'd stopped there, everything probably would have been fine but I didn't stop there. I then said very clearly and forcefully that despite the conventional wisdom that it is better to give than to receive, Christianity teaches that it is better to receive than to give. Of course, the problem there is that it's not just conventional wisdom that says it's better to give than to receive. Uh, You know who actually said that? Yes, Jesus Christ said that in Acts chapter 20 and verse 35. Uh, The same thing happened to me the last time I preached on this particular reading we have before us this morning from John chapter 10. I remember going big into the fact that Jesus seems to throw us a curveball. And we're so used to Jesus calling himself the good shepherd. In fact, we had that phrase in our colic this morning, Jesus the good shepherd. We know that reading and that metaphor so well that it can come as quite a shock to us this morning when Jesus begins by comparing the thief to the good shepherd and then says that he is the gate. And I preach this whole sermon on how, yes, of course, Jesus is the good shepherd, but how much more profound it is that he is the gate, as though he'd said those two things at totally different times. The catch, of course, is that our reading this morning, in which Jesus calls himself the gate, is John chapter 10, verses 1 through 10. Uh, Do you know what John chapter 10, verse 11 says? Well, uh, the very next verse after our reading ends, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. So this is all part of a piece. And so lest we make the mistake of ignoring the larger context of our reading, let me read you the whole section here so that we get a fuller idea of what's going on. This is Jesus talking about sheep, shepherds, and a gate. 
Very truly, I tell you, says Jesus, anyone who does not enter the sheepfold by the gate, but climbs in by another way, is a thief and a bandit. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep hear his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he has brought out all his own, he goes ahead of them, and the sheep follow him, because they know his voice. They will not follow a stranger, but they will run from him, because they do not know the voice of strangers. Jesus used this figure of speech with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So again, Jesus said to them, Very truly, I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and bandits, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters by me will be saved and will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand who is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and runs away. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. The hired hand runs away because a hired hand does not care for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the father knows me and I know the father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. Now what immediately jumps out to me when I read this whole section. That Jesus is not just setting himself up as part of some larger story. He doesn't just have one role to play. He's not either the gate or the shepherd. And they shouldn't be played off against one another. Jesus here is playing all the roles. Jesus is saying he's not part of a larger story, that he is the whole story. He's the gate and the gatekeeper and the shepherd. Jesus is the way you get in, and Jesus is the one who lays down his life for you. He welcomes you into the fold, and he is the one who leads you to green pastures and beside the still waters. Jesus restores your soul. You can Get yourself all turned around in this story trying to figure out who Jesus is. Is he the gatekeeper? Is he the shepherd? Is he the gate? Who is the gatekeeper? And if Jesus is the gate, who's the good shepherd? Who are the thieves and the bandits? But I don't think that that's what Jesus is trying to get us to think about by using these illustrations. He is instead, I think, trying to tell us something very simple, but with profound implications. Jesus is everything for us. Perhaps the most mind-blowing thing about this story to me, when you understand how Jesus is everything, the gate, the gatekeeper, and the shepherd, is the apparent carefree attitude about the safety of the sheep. Note that Jesus says in verse 9, that whoever enters by me will be saved, and they will come in and go out and find pasture. This gate is standing open. This is the most welcoming gate in the history of sheep. The sheep can come in and go out. But wait, aren't there thieves and bandits about? Hired hands who don't care for the sheep? Wolves ready to snatch, scatter, and devour? I think of those 
Hanna-Barbera cartoons with the wolf who has a sheep tied onto his back and is trying to sneak into the midst of the flock. Even in those idyllic cartoons, the shepherd has to worry about the sheep. But Jesus, Jesus mentions all those things, but they don't seem to present much of a problem for him. He doesn't seem worried. He's not warning anyone here or setting a safety plan in place. He acknowledges that, yes, those terrors are out there, but he talks about the sheep in such a way that proves that he is in control, that they are in his care from beginning to end. And this speaks volumes about the relationship of this shepherd to his sheep. Jesus seems completely unconcerned about stray sheep here. He says, they will not follow a stranger. They will run away from him. They will follow me. They know me and I know them. He will, of course, in the parable of the lost sheep, allow for the fact that sheep do become lost. But here, as there, it's not really a concern for the lost sheep itself. It's the shepherd, Jesus, who readily leaves the 99 who are not lost to recover the one who is. Here, Jesus says that his own know him and that he knows his own. Okay, we might think that's all well and good, but how will knowing the shepherd protect a stray sheep from a wolf or from a thief? Well, These sheep are protected because of just how good a shepherd Jesus is. Because of just how open a gate Jesus is. And they know it. And that's why they can have peace. I lay down my life for the sheep. That's Jesus' promise. That's Jesus' promise to you. And imagine it, incredible freedom exists. The gate is standing open. It is for such freedom, Jesus promised, that he set us free. We don't need a closed gate to keep us safe. We don't have to show a record of our obedience in order to be let back in, in order to be made right with God. In other words, we don't have to qualify to get back into the pasture. We aren't protected by rules or compliance. Our gate is standing open. We are free. But in our freedom, we may find ourselves in the midst of wolves. We may mistakenly submit to hired hands. We may be waylaid by thieves and bandits. We as sinners are particularly susceptible to these things. In fact, we seek these things out. The wolves and thieves of life sometimes seem to make awfully attractive offers. You don't need a shepherd, they tempt. Come with me. Be your own boss. You do you. This is what the thieves and wolves offer us. And such offers are awfully tempting to our ears. This is why we acknowledge, why we confess that we have so often done just that. In the confession that we say in our service of morning prayer, 
These are the first words out of our mouths. Almighty and most merciful Father, we have erred and strayed from your ways like lost sheep. We have followed too much the devices and desires of our own hearts. We have offended against your holy laws. We have left undone those things which we ought to have done. And we have done those things which we ought not to have done. And apart from your grace, there is no health in us. We have erred and strayed from your ways like lost sheep. There is no health in us. But we need not fear, for we have a good shepherd. We are not apart from his grace. A shepherd who will leave the 99 safe sheep to rescue us, to rescue you, the one who is in trouble. We need not fear. We have an open gate, a gate that will welcome us home no matter how far from the fold we've strayed. And how is it that such grace and mercy, forgiveness and rescue are possible? Because Jesus has laid down his life for us. Laid down his life for you. Jesus, whose love for us is more powerful than any wolf. Whose care for us is more profound than any hired hand. Whose blood is more binding than the promise of any thief or bandit. Without him, we are lost. But with him, there is absolutely nothing to fear. Here is the source of our safety. This is why Jesus can seem so sure of himself, so unconcerned for the safety of the sheep. We are locked to our shepherd by his blood shed for us. When Jesus says that his sheep know him, this is, is what he means. His sheep know that he has sacrificed everything for them. We sheep will never have another master. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? St. Paul asks in Romans 8. Who can separate a sheep from their good shepherd? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, says Paul, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Do you hear what he's saying? What shall separate us, the sheep, from the love of Christ, our good shepherd? Wolves? Hired hands? Thieves and bandits? No, nothing in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. So today, this is good news for you. 
You may feel set upon by wolves, lured by thieves and bandits, tricked by hired hands. But you have a good shepherd. You have an open gate. You have a savior, Jesus Christ, who gave his life for you. A good shepherd who laid down his life for you. He knows you. You are his. And by his grace, you are safe now and forever. Amen.